happening. Things are happening. It's a new time, a new year. I feel like this year went by so fast. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And the last few years have all been like kind of weird, I feel like, with the pandemic and mm-hmm. then just like um, the economy went crazy and the inflation and just like all this stuff going on. I feel like we haven't had just like a normal chill year. Yeah. Like at least three years. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just very curious to see what 2023 holds for us. You know, I just remember when we were about to hit 2020 and which seems like just happened and it was now three years, you know, and everybody was like, oh, it's going to be big times. Well, and it's, you know, everybody was looking at their schedule or like the the year and the schedules and stuff and it was like oh you know halloween's gonna be on a friday and yeah you know cinco de mayo is gonna be on taco mm-hmm. tuesday and like all these things and like the planets all aligned yeah for this year and then it all got shat on yeah by the pandemic and so it's just which very... was like I feel like a cosmic life lesson meant for all of us. Yeah. You know, like I feel like it was just like like everyone for 2020 was like it's gonna be a new amazing decade, yeah. a new amazing year, and then that happened and it was just like somebody upstairs was just like, <laughs> <laughs> y'all had all these plans. Yeah. You're not doing any what? of them. Instead, you're going to sit here and learn a valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's just, it's weird because, like, you look back on the year, and I feel, like I said, I feel like it went by so quick. But then at the same time, I think about what has happened this year. Like, you got married in April, and that seems like it was an eternity ago. I know. And, you know, this, the beginning of the year was just so jam packed with stuff Mm -hmm. because, you know, it was trip and then bridal shower. Yeah. And, you know, it, I don't know. It just seems like it was so. It was quite a whirlwind. Mm -hmm. This year was a good year. It was a good year. It was a shitty year for certain reasons, but it was like, like my dad was diagnosed with cancer we have one of our really good friends, her mother-in-law passed away, another one of her best friends passed away, and her aunt passed away. I mean, all of us, everyone at my work has had someone touch, or everyone at my job has been touched by death at yeah. some point this year. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, I feel like we're all trying to just tread water yeah (laughs) but at the same time it was a good year in other aspects of things Mm -hmm. yeah like I do feel like there's a lot of things like going on in the world and there's a lot of things going on that could be like harder than they usually are or you know it's like oh this isn't the best right now and so it's like I have a tendency to be like oh it's been a crazy year like what the heck happened this year but then I'm like Oh my god! I got married this year. You moved bought a into house. a new home. Yeah, I got a new puppy, and it's just like when you like stack it yeah. like that. It's like you look at the things that like really matter, mm-hmm. and then the things that are like, oh, it's just the world. Yeah, and sometimes you just gotta block that world right on out. Yeah, and focus on the things that matter that are important. And we're going to tell you about some of those worldly things that you got to block out tonight <laughs> on well, another episode of The Ginger, The Gay, and, and the, the Gruesome. It was a nice segue. Well, thank you. <laughs> I saw the opening and I took it. Uh, by the way, it was like like 10 degrees last week. Oh no, it got and down to like 7 Yes, and it's 70 degrees today. today. Probably right now it's, what, 63, maybe? Um, it's ridiculous. Tonight, we will be talking about a Colorado story. <gasps> yes. I um, 
wanted to clarify something, though. So Update. It's not really an update. Alert. An alert. Uh, because I guess not everybody knows this, but I've had some friends ask if we do get more listeners. So I, my wife's name is Cheryl, and I call her Cheryl. So the last episode, <laughs> we said Cheryl. I bounced back between Cheryl and Cheryl, and uh, she hates the nickname. Yeah, don't say it. Yeah. Um, we she, have signed contracts. We have I have a ring on place. my finger that states I get to call her that. And I got it by proxy. Yeah. Which I'm very grateful for. You're the only person who gets Nobody to. Nobody else can take it. But yeah, um, it's like other people have, you know, cute little nicknames. Like she calls me Baby Cakes. And I couldn't think of like a cute name for her. And then it just happened. And so... I call her Sherelle, so in case anybody is wondering who the hell that was that we were talking There's about. There's a Cheryl and a Sherelle. <laughs> <laughs> and normally I, like, yell it at her, like, if I'm trying to get her attention or Cheryl. I'm being dramatic. Yeah, I'm like, uh, Sherelle. And so she likes it because I call her that. Yeah. But she hates it when other people call her that. Yeah, and y'all. Sam and Cheryl come over to my house all the time, except for when Not. Cheryl left us to go to Colorado, which soon Sam will as well. Yes, I will and be leaving so in two whole months. There's that. <laughs> um, but I did not know that she did not like to be called that. Mm-hmm. And so I just started doing it because I'm the kind of person where if you do something around me, I'm going to pick it up. <laughs> and... I started doing it, had no idea that she hated it, and then one time she told me, she was like, FYI, I hate that. And I was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And she was like, but I'm gonna let you yeah. keep doing it. And I, I think like, you oh. even said, you were like, but it's okay when I say it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, you are the only one who else is allowed to say so it. So I've been... Initiated. Initiated... And I'm winning. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about true crime. So this week we're going to be talking about Alfred Packer. Are you excited? I'm so excited. This is an old story. I love old stuff sometimes, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to give you his nickname because it's going to... Let's just say this takes place in Colorado. Okay. Alfred Grinner Packer was born January 21st, 1842. He was one of three children. His parents' names were James Packer and Esther Grinner. So I'm assuming that's where he got his middle name. Okay. By 1850, the family had moved to Indiana. So he was born in... Pennsylvania near Pittsburgh and they had moved by 1850 to Indiana. Uh, His dad was a cabinet maker. Okay. So apparently his, he didn't have a great relationship with his parents, with either one of his parents and in his teen years moved out to Minnesota. So like cut ties, I'm out skis. Okay. From there, he became a shoemaker. Now, one of the things about him is that he has a bunch of different jobs. He never really keeps jobs. Telling? Yeah. There is, like, an actual reason for one of these, like, one reason why, and the rest of it just seems like because he's lazy and not a great worker. Okay. But... So he did serve in the Union Army during the American Civil War. He enlisted in 1862 in Minnesota and then from there was assigned to the 16th U.S. Infantry Regiment Company F. Uh, He was honorably discharged due to epilepsy eight months later in New York. So he was stationed at Fort Ontario in New York. From there, he moved south and enlisted in the 8th Iowa Cavalry Regiment. Company C in Iowa. 
But because he had the same issues, he still has epilepsy. He was discharged from that as well. He suffered seizures, apparently a couple of them a week. So he was having them very frequently. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's had a seizure or, or it is incredibly draining to like after you're done having one because it's oh yeah i can imagine yeah because you're exerting so much energy so quickly exactly so he was reported to have them like every two days he was having severe seizures you know that's any job he's having it's well and especially in the military like yeah i mean if you're out in the field and this is happening to you like exactly that's the attention of your soldiers and your own life and yeah so many things that factor here and you know i'm i mean this is the 1800s they don't have the medical knowledge behind things you know so they have no idea yeah exactly so after he was discharged uh he traveled west and over the next nine years worked a ton of different jobs from hunter, wagon teamster, ranch hand, field worker, and guide. Now, because of his seizures and his overall attitude, he didn't keep any job for very long. And he wasn't a very good guide because he got lost quite often. And that's like a key component of your job like maybe the only component of your job (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much apparently he was just kind of like um a giant liar and like lied about credentials lied about what he knew uh he was joey from friends i don't get that reference. His entire resume is a lie. Oh, that's sad. But Joey seems like a fun person, and this guy does not. Does not. Mm-mm. Other people, like other guides who knew him, would say, like, it's this is not what he's good at. He should not be doing this stuff. Because, again, key component in being a guide is don't get lost. not getting lost. And, and don't have seizures when you're guiding people through unknown territories. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's not his fault, but, no. you know, like, not a good job to have. Yeah. Especially, like, this isn't today's world. This is back then. Yeah. And you can't just be like, let's go to the hospital, you know? Like, yeah, it's just no, like... We're talking middle of the nowhere, sleeping in the tent. Sleeping above the stars. Horseback? Yes, horseback. No way, no. Mm-hmm. Not when you're having a seizure and just fall right off the horse. <laughs> you're going down. So he ended up mining and would just like, you know, just like jobs that someone. Is that a good occupation for this guy? Honestly. I guess you just take what you can get. Honestly, I just feel like no occupation is good for him. You know, he just doesn't seem like a good worker, regardless of the fact that he has this pretty severe medical issue. Yeah. And I'm not saying that people with epilepsy can't do things. I'm saying in 1860, maybe you ought not to be in a coal mine. You know, maybe. Well, and even take the epilepsy out of factor here. And let's just focus on the fact that he was a guide, which means you're going usually familiar routes that you're guiding people through and you're getting lost. Yeah. That takes a certain type of intellectual Stupid. level. Sure. <laughs> in dry for you folks. That's a special kind of stupid. He's an idiot. The maintenance man's an, an idiot. idiot. If you know, you know. Um, so, like I said, he ended up mining and going, like, drifting from mine to mine and uh, never really did much with it. Like, he wasn't really getting money from it and he just wasn't fulfilling his potential. Is the nicest way to put that. 
So he did mine for a wee bit in Colorado, but then moved to Utah and thus again, no luck to be had. It is said that most who knew Packer genuinely disliked and distrusted him. Aided by his nearly pathological lying and reputation for stealing, he was quarrelsome and difficult to get along with. Oh, this is not a good bio. It's not a good guy. No. Like, I would hope that one day, and, like, people describe me as being, like, Oh, she was a fun person. She was happy to be around. Not yes. like he. She was quarrelsome and like not a good time. <laughs> the obituary reads. <laughs> so now we get down to the. That is his backstory. This is the nitty and gritty. Oof. In November of 1873, 20 men left Bingham Canyon Mines near Salt Lake City, Utah Territory for gold fields in Breckenridge, Colorado Territory. So this group of men, 20 men, they didn't really know each other, um, but they banded together to basically become rich, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. In Colorado. And so... The American dream, baby. Mm-hmm. And especially because, I mean, Colorado, you have the Rockies, lots of golds out there. Yeah, good stuff. Bob McGrew, uh, he was the one, he was the, the leader of the pack, if you will. He was the one who, who got all the men together and started this this thing. He's the wagon boss. Yes. They actually did not come in contact with Packer until like about 25 miles from their starting point. And whenever he asked them where they were going, they, you know, were going to gold country in the San Juan mountains. And so he asked to join them and then told them all about how he was a guide and how he was a prospector and he knew the area and he knew where they were going and he could help get them there. Okay. So the majority of the guys who were there were just very basic level prospectors. So they didn't really have a understanding of the land and where they, you know. The lay of the land. And so having someone like Packer who, you know, is not just a prospector, but also a guide was really like. Save them a lot of time. Yeah, it was really enticing for what they needed because um, they, like I said, they knew very little about Colorado's geography, but Packer also did not know. But he told them that they did. He told them he knew all of it. Fake it till you make it, baby. Yeah, well. So when it comes to court, when that all happens, um, members of the original party. So how this ends up is that they end up Because they get lost, right? Because Packer has no idea what the fuck he's doing. So they get lost, but they end up kind of branching out from that original core 20. Mm -hmm. And they start branching out into little packs to try to find a way or... Yeah, we're going to go this way. Yeah. I'm going to go this way. So members of the original party later said that he had vastly overstated his experience of being a seasoned guide familiar to the area or had even possibly fabricated his qualifications altogether. So it became very, like, very known very quickly that he had no idea what he was doing. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He also, he was reported not to have any kind of rifle on him, which, like, that's bear country. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, in this time in America, (coughs) if you're a seasoned, like, guide and... Yeah, you would be able... usually carry a rifle because Mm -hmm. you're traveling. Yeah. And you need that. So, he did have a Colt revolver on him, but, like, again, if you, you need more. Yeah. This fire. is amateur hour. <laughs> yeah. Get it together. So, apparently, like... in the city and I have more guns than you. <laughs> <laughs> you live in the Texas city. <laughs> During their, their trip, Packer was reportedly greedy with rations. He was a bit of a beggar and lazy. He also reported to have quarreled constantly with another party member named Frank Miller. At the time of his first trial, Packer was categorized as a whiny fraud by one of the party members. A whiny fraud. 
His seizures also made his presence in the group strenuous. So, like, on top of not knowing where the where he was or what he was doing. Well, everybody's pissed off at him. Yeah. And now they have to help him through these seizures <laughs> where they're like, God, I'm not going to do everything for this guy who's supposed to be helping us out. They're probably paying him. Yeah. Like, they're probably like, what the heck is going on right now? But shout out to them for not, you know, letting him die. You know, honestly, knowing what I know, they'd probably have been better off. A couple of them would absolutely have been if better off. If you and I are sitting here talking about him right now, they definitely mm-hmm. would have been better off. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to cut dyes. Yep. So, because they started out in November, okay? Which seems like a terrible time to travel. Seems like a terrible time to travel in the Rockies. Yeah. Like... We're talking snow. Yeah. So because of that and because he didn't know what he was doing, the winter became a major obstacle. So Duh. Yeah. Snow. It, the snow, Even if you're beeline in it there could be a major obstacle. The snow had gotten so bad that they weren't being able to, to differentiate between the trail and not trail. So they were just like wandering. Yeah. I mean... They were using a compass. Like, that was their only source yeah, of... you don't have a physical trail to follow. Exactly. So, it just makes it more yeah. difficult. Following the stars. So, provisions ran out very quickly, obviously, because they're taking more time. They're doing more things. And they had to live off of horse feed for, yeah, for a little bit, for a while. To the point where they were like, okay, well... Once we're out of this, the horses are next to go. Like, that's how we'll survive. Wow. Yeah. On January 21st, 1874, the party became, the party came upon the... Nova on the pod. Yeah, Nova's in here. Sweet baby Nova. Shout out to your fans. Say hello. She doesn't make any noise ever. No, she's such a good she's dog. A sweet baby. Okay, so now that we took a little bit of a break, back to the story. Back to the pop. So January 21st, 1874, the party came across Chief Irway, known as the White Man's Friend, near Montrose, Colorado. And the, like, like earlier, they were, they'd gotten to the point where they're like, okay, do we keep the horses? Do we kill them and eat them? You know? Yeah. That's how bad it had gotten. So they were so desperate when they reached the camp, they had to... Like they, they approached the camp very timidly because, you know, they didn't know how they would be received from the tribe. Is it a happy tribe? Is it a... Now, is this a Indian tribe? A Native American tribe? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the chief not only welcomed them, but he supplied them with food and lodging. And not only that, told them how dangerous what they were doing was and that allowed them to stay with the tribe and that they would, he would, that the tribe would be sharing like provisions and lodging and stuff through the winter and that they needed to wait until spring because it just got so bad. And yeah. And he even said that like, they tribes members wouldn't even be doing and they know the land they know the land they know and you know, they yeah. live in it and so because it was such a big gold rush and miners and prospectors were from all over the country were heading out there he decided or half the men left so 11 of them stayed behind with the wagons and the horses and then the rest of them went ahead forward to try and get like a head start mm-hmm, to try to get before other people didn't stake out their territory yes or whatever. exactly the chief had told them that they needed to largely follow the gunnison river along the banks but packer was like no we need to go through the mountains because it's a quicker more direct route and we'll get there faster which it may be distance wise but you're having to go through the mountains as opposed to not like 
Yeah. It might be... The terrain yeah. is going to delay. Like, as the crow flies, yeah, it's going to yeah. be... But whenever you have to deal with snow, the terrain, yeah. the, you know, it's going by the river. So, Packer is of the group that carried on. On, and, yeah. Okay. And even though people have already been like, he doesn't know what he's doing... He was so insistent that, like, People he knew, yeah, that he knew it, and then that was, that was that. So, they intended to travel to the Los Pinos Indian Agency, which is the closest outpost to a camp, and then proceed onward to Breckenridge. Um, and so, with that plan, with that plan in mind, uh, the chief sent them on with food and provisions and stuff that they would need. What a nice guy. Yeah, very helpful. So five, I'm sorry, 11 men went. Nine men stayed behind with the tribe and the horses and the wagons and 11 men left. Now, five of the 11 men went the route of the river. So the way that the chief told them to go. The remaining men went through the mountains. Okay. So the party that went by the river, so they ran into bad weather and freezing temperatures, and they actually ran out of their provisions before they got to their destination. So with that, they were, I, I guess, rescued is the right word. Cowhands from with the government cattle camp near Gunnison, Colorado came upon them and gave them food and shelter and then they remained in that camp until April. So, spring. Okay. So, the so cowboys saved them, yeah. took care of them, they stayed with yes. them. And so, this was the five that went the route of yes. the river. And so they ended up, you know, doing the thing. So on February the 9th, Packer and the five others in his party left for the Los Pinos Indian Agency and they were headed the way of the mountains, through the mountains. So these members were, so there's Packer, Shannon Wilson Bell, James Humphrey, Frank Butcher Miller, Butcher is his nickname, George, California, noon, and Israel Swan, even though they all followed him into the mountains, which I don't understand because you already don't trust him. Yeah, we've already established that he's a pathological liar. He is, he like, I, he's a liar. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's proven time and time again he has no idea what's happening. Yeah, and he has gotten you lost recently. Recently. <laughs> recently like this just happened i mean i feel like it's like like tonight when you were like well i just need to get to 121 i I almost feel like that's what he's you know like i don't know where we are like right now but if we get to this point then i know where we are you know and maybe that's the only thing because i just can't imagine them being like yeah absolutely let's you know what he's a liar he's gotten us lost relatively recently maybe he's just a good talker though maybe i mean i don't i don't know i just i can't imagine why these relatively intelligent why are you following him (laughs) (laughs) so again while they were getting ready to leave they're still like opposing his guide title and that he doesn't know what he's doing as they're preparing to leave. Apparently, he has a bad attitude. So, he's not even a talker. He's a bad attitude. A ba- okay. So, he doesn't have a whole lot of charisma. They also basically decided they'd be better off without him. So, while McGrew's men went the way of the river, Packer's team, they started off um, through the San Juan Mountains and again, ignoring what the chief had said, like, this is a bad idea. So when they left, they had 14 days worth of food. They didn't have snowshoes. They had bare minimum matches. They had no flint. And they also didn't have heavy clothes, which you would need if you were going through mountains in winter. 
This is outrageous. <laughs> this is outrageous. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. We are not going like hiking through mountains in Colorado. Like we have a home that we're staying in. We'll go out and play for a, a bit. We'll go ski and then we'll come back to the home. And I have winter clothes. Yes. <laughs> Protected just... winter clothes. Yeah. Like, and we're not, we have the ability to go indoors when we get too cold. Like, this is ridiculous. And especially that the only source of your warmth is going to be through fire and you don't even have flint. Yeah. What? Yeah. And you're like, this be fine. staying in this place where this guy is giving us food, shelter, shelter. warmth. Mm-hmm. Like, all the resources you need to make it through this season and you're going to go risk your life out somewhere and you don't even have flint. So they may not have flint, but you know what they did have? Gumption. They had moxie. Moxie. They had moxie. But they went into the mountains with two rifles, one pistol, a couple of knives, a hatchet, and a minimal ammunition. I can only imagine what minimal ammunition means in this time. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Minimal ammunition to me is going to be very different than minimal ammunition to these guys. Like, I want to know what their bullet count is right now. <laughs> On April 16th, 1874. So that's So that. we've gone through winter. Yeah, now we're in April. What I gave you before, that's all we technically know. Okay, so we don't really know how the winter went, or are you getting there? I'm getting there. Okay, I'm jumping ahead, okay. But. That's all we know of their travels. That is all we know of their travels, yes. We don't yes. know any other details of their actual travels, we just know the outcomes. Yes. Okay. Because we're only taking word from. Some dude's journal. Yeah. <laughs> he so, stopped writing. He stopped <laughs> writing. No clue what happens now. Come on, Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> so on April 16th, 1874, Packer emerged from the woods alone and stumbled his way across the frozen lake bed to the Los Pinos Indian Agency near Saguache, Colorado. So the five others are not present. They are not present. Um, He had rags latched to his feet. So he lost his shoes? I guess so. In the... Oh, wait, it's April. Okay. When he gets discovered, it sounds like a movie so you know you have the men at the the agency that he's gone to they're all sitting in the main room eating like eating their dinner and door swings open oh my gosh (laughs) and he comes staggering yes and he literally comes in begging for food and shelter just like help me that's hilarious. Oh, it is. It is hilarious. It's hilarious. It is because he's a little bit of a jerk in a, in a big way. He carried with him a rifle, a knife, a steel coffee pot, and a satchel. Of course, as anybody would, they see this man. He's obviously been in the woods for who knows how long. He's hungry. They welcome him. And they hurry to him. Come here, sit down, let's get you some breakfast. It was breakfast, by the way, it wasn't dinner, it's breakfast. But like, let's get you something to eat, let's get you warm, right? Nice people. I'm on the edge of my seat. Oh yeah, because I didn't tell you what this is. Okay. I'm hearing this for the first time. So apparently he like ate so quickly that he vomited it up pretty much as soon as he ate the food. You cannot just like intake Mm-mm. food quickly after you've been starved for a while. Yeah, and that's pretty much what he said, was that his digestion was altered because of the prolonged starvation, or near, near starvation. So after several several shots of whiskey, he relayed to the men the events leading up to the Ore's camp. He couldn't eat food. Whiskey, he got down just fine. I mean, priorities. Mm-hmm. 
After a long stint in the woods. And he starts telling them that he'd been hired by these five men to guide him to Breckenridge from the the tribe's camp. He stated that during the journey, they had become snow blind and were lagging behind the remainder of the party, becoming a burden for them. Uh, Packer claimed that a member of the party named Israel Swamp Swan supplied him with a rifle and then they abandoned him. He is telling these guys at the agency that they gave the, him a rifle and just said, deuces, good luck. That's weird. He said that he was forced to survive on his own and make his way out of the mountains with minimal ammunition and virtually no supplies and ate little else than roots and rosebuds the entire time he was alone. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a lot of rosebuds in the middle of winter with snow on the ground. But who's to say I'm no gardener? (laughs) Colorado's a little Mm -hmm. harsh in the winter, though. Yeah. And... Okay, couple points to make here. Okay. Number one, if you're abandoning somebody, it's because something's happened. Yeah. It's not because I just decided I don't want to travel with you anymore. Yeah. Something took place for me to be like, F off. Well, and I, I mean, I could understand if he was like, I have seizures they, I was holding them behind. We were running low on supplies. And so they said, fuck it. And but he didn't say that. He didn't say that. Yes. He said that they abandoned him. Yeah. If he was like, dude, I understand the situation that I'm in right now. Like, leave me. Leave me. Save yourselves. <laughs> then he would have said that. He mm-hmm. didn't say that. He said they left him. Yeah. And so in the middle of the night, they scurried away. And so something would have had to happen for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Number two, if I am abandoning somebody, which we've already established is because they did something to me to where I need to abandon them. I'm not supplying the abandoned with a rifle. Mm -hmm. I mean, like maybe for some extenuating circumstance, but if I'm abandoning you, I'm not trying to make it so that you can come shoot me later. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so there's just several things that don't add up about his story. The guys thought so too. Oh, good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. He, basically they listened to him but they, there were holes in the story and they were like, something's not right. Yes. Because if he was lost in the woods for a little over two months on his own, eating nothing but sticks and berries, he should look malnourished. Yes. He should look almost skeletal, you know? Yes. He did not look malnourished at all. His face was reported being bloated and his overall physique was, quote, hardly skeletal. He claimed that he was broke and sold the Winchester rifle he had as his possession to Major Downer, the agency's Justice of the Peace, for $10, which, fun factoid, in 2021 was equivalent to $240. That's pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. So he stayed at that the agency for 10 days before he expressed that he wished to go back home to Pennsylvania and then headed to the nearby town and bought supplies for his journey. So what happened? When he reached the town where he was making preparation to go back to Pennsylvania, he stayed at Dolan's Saloon. Larry Dolan, the owner, claimed that Packer spent around $100, which is equivalent to $2,395 during his stay, and that Packer even offered to lend him $300. Packer also spent $78 in Otto Mayer's general store. He's also claimed he had several different wallets in his possession. Why would you have multiple wallets? And that's a lot of money lot to have of on hand. Mm-hmm. When apparently he was a bit of a boozer. And when he got intoxicated, started giving very conflicting stories regarding his journey and how he became separated from the other men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hard to keep your story straight. When you're drunky drunks town. So this was April 
it was a 14-day journey. The other guys in the group, nobody had still, they still have not heard from him, them. Okay, so um, at one point, the guy, the guy Nutter, Preston Nutter from the original group, they ended up meeting up. And that, and when they arrived at, I can't say that it's Saguache, Saguache, they met, ran into each other, mm-hmm. right? And so when he asked where everyone was, Packer claimed that he had gotten his feet frozen and stated that whenever they were setting up camp, a winter storm had set in. And so he started the fire to warm up while the others went ahead and looked for food. And then Packer claimed that Swan left him with his rifle in case of trouble and they never returned. He presumed that they had abandoned him. He claimed that he was forced to leave the party to an unknown fate and that he had no idea what what happened to them, where they went, where they left, and then that he lived off of rosebuds and the occasional squirrel as he made his trek out. Preston Nutter thought this story was odd, especially because it was not the original story. He stated that Packer looked very well fed for someone who was living off of sticks and berries and that them leaving the quote unquote guide would have been a horrible choice for five miners who were unfamiliar with Colorado to just leave, you know, like that would have been a horrible idea and they would not have just left him like the most important person yeah. on the trip, you don't leave. You're the most important one. We're going to leave you unprotected besides this rifle and go off and look for food. Somebody would have stayed behind or at bare minimum, you know? So accusations start coming in hot, if you will. And now he's starting to get in trouble because petty thievery, things like that are happening around the town. Now I'm going to tell you what his nickname is. Okay. His name is Alfred Packer, a.k.a. the Colorado Cannibal. Okay. The Colorado Cannibal. So what it basically boils down to is he murdered the other men in his group and then lived off of them for quite some time. We're talking like... Four or five months, right? Um, like two, two to three months, because like February to April. February to April. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah. Wow. You know, they have this 14-day journey ahead of them. When the provisions were exhausted, then they moved on to eating, you know, roots, pine gum, rosebuds, and the occasional rabbit. But then, you know, winter sets in. And the storm was getting bad. Yeah. So they're not able to, like, get game. Yeah. You know? And a lot of their game they have to... Sa- or uh, a lot of their bullets they have to save in case a bear comes after. You know? Like, yeah, they need to defend enemies. themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Packer claimed that the men started to eye each other in an unsettling way. Their stomachs twisting and hunger. He said a few days later he left camp to gather dry firewood and returned to find four men around the slain body of Israel Swan who had been struck in the head with a hatchet and killed instantly. The four men started to butcher Swan with Packer accepting the situation and joining them. He claimed several thousand dollars was found on Swan's person and divided between the men. They consumed the most agreeable part of Swan's body, packed some up, and moved on, with Packer having Swan's rifle. So it's a rifle that he came out of the woods with. Uh, Within two days, however, the five men were again out of meat, and game continued to elude them. Packer, Bell, Humphrey, and Noon decided in secret that Miller would have to go next. Parker confessed that Miller was a stocking man and was chosen for his amount of soft flesh. He was killed with a hatchet blow to the head while uh, while he had stopped to pick up wood for the fire, then butchered and consumed. Parker took Miller's knife, and Miller's share of Swan's money was redistributed among the four men, and then they moved on to Los Pinos. The winter was relentless, and the men were slow moving. Humphrey was the next to be sacrificed, followed before too long by George Noon. At last, it was just down to Bell and Packer. 
He claimed that the two men swore on Almighty God not to eat each other. They each had a rifle at this point and a couple of thousand dollars of Swan's cash and presumed that the two men would fare well in the remainder of their trip with the minimal gain that was found. They vowed never to speak of the cannibalism because they felt that nobody would understand how necessary it had been. So did the other guys survive? Nope. Packer said that a few days later... Bell snapped up out of his blanket and screamed that he couldn't take any more. He told Packer that one of them was going to have to die for food. He snatched the rifle, sprinted at Packer um, with it ready to bu- to bash his skull, but Packer deflected the blow and struck Bell in the head with a hatchet. He claimed at this point the only fear he had left was to starve to death. So then he then butchered Bell, eating as much as he could in preparation for the remaining leg of his journey and packed a good amount away. He relieved Bell of his share of swan's money and then headed on and that is that just eat them all up real quick mm-hmm. i'd be willing to bet a maybe a little bit of that is true so do we know what they did with him after he told all of this so that was one of many different stories that he gave Okay. So he eventually did admit to it in in court, and the first trial ended in a mistrial. You know what? He was sent, uh, during the first trial. He was found. He pled not guilty, and but was found after seven days of testimonials and ex- uh, examinations from multiple of the original people. He was found guilty of premeditated murder of Israel Swan and sentenced to death by hanging, which was scheduled for May 19th, 1883. And due to a technicality, he got a second trial, which then gave, it spared him the death penalty. It was called a savings clause. It spared him being tried for murder. On October 1885, the sentence was reversed by the Colorado Supreme Court, which based it on ex post facto law, they declared that the government could not sentence a man to death for committing a crime if it indeed occurred before Colorado officially became a state as opposed to a territory. So basically, since this happened while it was still Colorado territory instead of Colorado the state, they couldn't, the state could not then sentenced him to death for things that happened before. He was sentenced to 40 years in prison, eight for each count, as well as a maximum sentence allowed per count. He filed appeals for his case on five separate occasions and was denied upon every single submission. Then on April 23rd, 1907, at the age of 65 in Johnson's County, Colorado, Alfred Packer died. The cause of his death was cited as dementia, troubled and weary along, although his clinical cause of death has been described as a result of a stroke. But good news, Packer is widely rumored to become a vegetarian right before his death and was reported by those who knew him as a man rich with stories and well-liked by children. He lived modestly and was reported to be a charitable man. No way. Yeah. Not only is he a vegetarian, but he's well-liked by children, and he's got good stories. Are you (coughs) serious? Mm -hmm. Like, this is a joke. His grave is marked with a veteran's tombstone listing his original regiment in 1862, which is a replacement as his original grave marker was stolen. Stolen. Interesting. On his new tombstone or headstone his name is spelt alfred as opposed to the original spelling which was alfred okay but apparently he went by both sounds a little bit like an accent thing i can see that and he was never successful in getting an official state pardon for his crimes don't deserve it Mm -mm. so that's the story of alfred packer not parker that is crazy little Early country cannibalism. Yeah, early country cannibalism. Yeah. Colorado. Colorado, which is where we are going. 
Yeah. We are doing this um, as an ode to our travels. Mm -hmm. We are going to Colorado, as you all know already. Cheryl, Sam's wife, lives there currently. Mm -hmm. And we are going to all travel up there and spend some time there, which we are very excited about. Bonding and having fun. Do we have another Colorado story for next week, too? I was debating taking next week off. Okay, so stay tuned. We may or may not be back next week, but we'll let you know on social media if you follow us on Triple G Podcast on Instagram. You can also send us an email with questions, comments, no concerns, at... Triple G podcast at hotmail.com at hotmail.com T-R-I-P-L-E-G podcast at hotmail.com and exciting we have gotten a few listener story requests yes so we have a few people who have been sending us some requests for some new stories so we are going to um be featuring those stories very soon and we are very excited about that so keep reaching out to us and letting us know yes the new the new year i'm gonna be so much more on top of shit things are gonna be posted on time or uploaded i have the hiccups man But we appreciate you guys bearing with us. Yes. This is new. This is not as easy as I think either one of us thought it was going to be. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to it, but it's really fun. It is fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun researching this stuff. I just have to, like, I'm getting into the rhythm of, like, some here, some here. Yeah, we have day jobs. Yeah. I am not independently wealthy that and I don't get to just sit at home and work on this. So But if you guys get more people involved <laughs> with us Maybe we could. Then maybe we could quit our jobs. Um also coming soon we'll have a, merch yes we'll have a little bit of merch it's very exciting so we'll post that on our instagram too yes. so if you guys want some merch we'll be able to get you some stuff so yeah. stay tuned for that we'll announce that later on and we're excited we'll see you either next week or the week after check out on instagram mm-hmm what we end up deciding to do, thank you for bearing with us while we take a little vacation, a little mental little health break. time. Yeah, a little yes. time. Check us out next time, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Bye. Bye. Bye.